Hello, and welcome to the Euro What from WhatElseIsOn.tv. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by my fellow WEIO Eurovision News and Entertainment Research Division specialists, Brian Brazell and Ben Smith. Howdy, folks. Howdy, Mike. Hi. How's everyone doing this week? Oh, I'm I'm good. I don't know. How are you, Ryan? I'm not sure I have much to talk about this weekend. It was kind of... <laughs> it, was, it was a long one. Like, I was doing some travel, seeing some family. Uh, glad to be back in Boston. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm good. I did an escape room with a couple of friends this weekend. We had done a unicorn escape room previously, and this time we did the vampire version. They have two rooms that compete against each other to see who can get out mm-hmm. first. And when we were in the unicorn room, we won, and I did the vampire room with a different group of friends, and there was no one in the other room. So we won, but we were just playing against the clock. But that was a lot of fun. I, I have done the competitive escape room before, and it's it is, those are a lot of fun. Although the, the ones I really like are where you, your team starts in two different rooms and then has to, first of all, get together as a unified group and then escape. Nice. How about you, Mike? What do you do this week? I guess mentally preparing for the Eurovision escape room, which would be... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts yeah. on escape rooms on this, our, our podcast about the Eurovision Song Contest? Yeah. It would be a very interesting theme. Uh, I, th- I think the staging would be uh, important as always. But no, uh, yeah, uh, this weekend's just been kind of getting ready to uh, head to Lisbon and see what all the fuss is about. Uh, watching a lot of YouTube because uh, rehearsals are now underway at yes. the contest. Yep. So I I look forward to being able to watch them after we get done recording. I was late in doing my rankings for our next batch of those, and now as a re- as a reward to my Myself for doing that i get to watch the rehearsals and think about more rankings nice reward that we'll, we'll see if you still use that word no just kidding <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun <laughs> word to use no like the, fir- the first rehearsal footage is always like the trickiest to navigate because it's just like it's just a 30 second snippet it's a still camera so you really yeah camera is like 50 feet away yeah the, the thing that i the last couple years have forgotten about this stage is that I see the the footage and I'm underwhelmed and it's because we're just seeing it from the audience and the thing about Eurovision actually someone asked me today would I ever want to go and I was like oh I kind of like being on my couch and I also like seeing the contest through the tv because a lot of the um as we've talked about before a lot of the staging is really meant for tv mm-hmm. um and so these first rehearsal clips that come out are just as you said like a static camera sitting in the audience we're not getting any of the camera framing so i i have to remind myself to be patient and to not feel really disappointed by what feels like very static staging but will not feel like that on the day of the contest right. and i really like what they're doing this year um they're using their instagram stories to also do the rehearsal preview footage so it's like an even shorter snippet than uh what's get what gets posted on youtube oh and, yeah, that ooh, is, i didn't know that, that that's is, cool yeah that's actually very smart social media it's a market. very yeah, smart use of, like they're able to add all of the like stickers or whatever it's it's, it's yeah. very uh <laughs> teenager whatever uh i am an old i do not get instagram stories (laughs) (laughs) now now i want them to be doing boomerangs too so that take take away the one bit of things that we know the audio and give us just one six second loop that's very amusing. Other other than sort of getting views of rehearsals, what else is in the news right yeah, now? Yeah, so one of the big things that happened at rehearsals, so we're recording this on Monday, so only the first semifinal has had their rehearsals yet, and by the time this episode drops, uh, most of the second semifinal will have performed. Um, so Nicholas Joseph, who's representing the Czech Republic, injured himself somehow doing a backflip during his rehearsal, and yeah, he ended up in a hospital 
ended up having to go to a second hospital to get an MRI. Uh, the last, I, yeah, the last I read was he may have a like herniated disc. I'm hoping it's not anything that severe, but yeah. Uh, but on the on the other hand, that's a herniated disc. That's not 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 a great sort of yeah week before sort of a thing to get thrown into the work. Yeah, and I mean it's just like it's it's so devastating just because i don't think there's anybody this season who has put in as much work as he's put in not to not to like take away from the work that everybody else has done this year in their journeys to lisbon but like he has been at every single event he's just been working his tail off and then just to have it all kind of come crashing down i would hate for him to not have the opportunity to actually perform so yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want everybody at 100% on the mm-hmm. contest. Absolutely. Yeah. No, what, no, like, and I'm, I, as you know, I'm not a fan of that song, but I want him to lose on the strength of his song, not because he got injured. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, I don't wish him poorly. Right. I right. just, I don't want him to, I don't want him to do well, but I want him to show up and be able to perform 100%. So looking at Eurovision as a sport, like the, the yeah. athletic competitor in me is just like, oh no, this is like the worst thing ever. It's like the guy coming yeah. down the ski slope and the agony of defeat type thing. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but yeah, uh, hope he gets well soon. The last article that I read uh, said that they're just kind of seeing what the prognosis is going to be. They haven't even really talked about triggering plan B. I don't think anybody has an idea of what plan B is at this point. Miklo's sitting in a big, comfortable chair for three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, fortunately, the song isn't that much of a singing effort since it is kind of rap-ish. But yeah, I've never experienced a hernia, and I don't think I know anybody who's really experienced a hernia. So I have no idea how limited your range of motion is or what you can or cannot do. Yeah, it's... Ugh, get well soon. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. No, no seriously, I mean, get well I, soon. Yeah. It's next week. Um, yeah, yeah. Regardless of whatever his you know staging is, Eurovision seems f- physically grueling with just all the stuff that you have to do with all the press stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, e- even if it's even if it's a sort of minor thing, that seems like the kind of thing that could just make life miserable for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, yep. the next time he is supposed to be on stage would be Thursday for his second rehearsal. I mean, that's probably something that they can work around or like have a stand in or something. Cause I think that that was what happened with Portugal last year. Cause uh, oh, right. yeah. 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 Salvador's right. health that's was right. in question and uh, his sister was just kind of doing all the blocking and such uh, for the performance. But yeah, I think, I think the backup plan was okay. If he's not able to perform at the actual competition, like she can hop in, but I don't know. I I don't know if it's just going to be one of the songwriters or who who would step in if if needed. Well, we wish them well. Yep. Um, the I think the other big thing is, that we were kind of discussing in the lead up to this today, uh, the jury list is is out. Yes, so the, which is the thing? Yeah, the people serving on the international juries. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited about some of the names on that list. Well, yes, it, it was a variable variable who's who in that. Wait a minute, which year did they do this contest? Yeah, I, I think there were several people from recently. We had you know Nathan Trent from Austria. We had um, Emily De Forest who won in 2013. We had Aminata Savadogo from Latvia, who I've been a big fan of. She competed in what 2015 and 16. Is that uh, right? Yeah, uh, sang or in 2015 and 14 wrote, uh, for 2016. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I, 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 were there others that y'all noticed? The ones that I that popped up to me, uh, Tom Deese from from Belgium mm-hmm. is from like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, somewhere in there. 
Christina Scarlett from that one weird year where we thought that Moldova was going to pe- compete, but then they just weren't there. Yeah, they just somehow didn't show up. Now, just to be clear, they were there. <laughs> just to be clear, for, for <laughs> yeah, we just we just sort of glaze over that year because we generally otherwise la, la, like their la, output. La, la. Yeah, yeah. La 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 la. I can't yeah. hear you. Uh, la, la, la. Super fans of Moldova <laughs> would probably like to forget yeah. that year, but but in conclusion, it was real weird for that. Three minutes, yeah. the internet was just down everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Someone was in Moldova's <laughs> parking spot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. There have also been a few people who were like contestants in national selections that uh, haven't made it to the Eurovision stage yet that are on the jury. So uh, Ella, from, uh, who competed for France this year, and oh, there was somebody that you mentioned from Sweden, wasn't it? Yeah, Mariette. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, Mariette. Yeah, yep. so like, that's right. as consolation prizes go, that's that's a pretty nice one. So. Yeah, that's pretty nice, yeah. You get a free trip to, you know, to go and watch the contest, yeah. yeah. They also, um, there was news that came out last week about um, changing the way that the jury scores will be tabulated, which we don't need to get into maybe the details of that right now, but the, the upshot of it is that uh, they're trying to make an individual, so for example, if most of the jury thinks an, um, a song is really good and one person thinks it's really bad. They're trying to sort of reduce the negative impact of one person's vote um, and trying to make it so that the, the overall jury vote is more reflective of the overall jury and not sort of being dragged down by one person. So I'll be interested to see how that actually works this year. As a math person reading that article, it made me very happy. Yeah, the, the, the data nerds were all uh, all a Twitter about it. Uh, yeah, the, uh, we'll, we'll have a link to the article in the show notes and uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail next week. But the first article that I saw about it was like a statistical analysis of how this would work. And it was like, ooh, I really yeah. like this. There's, oh, yeah, there's it, curves, yeah, it, it, there's it, it graphs. Was a, it was, yeah, yeah <laughs> curves, graphs, just a real good deep dive if you're into that sort of thing. I feel like also we've been burying the lead a little bit. There was some news that came out this week that ABBA is going to be recording a couple of songs, a couple of new mm-hmm. songs, mm-hmm. not not doing any kind of touring or anything, but just sort of get back together in the studio. That's exciting. Yeah, it's the first time in 35 years, I think, that they have new output. I don't know if this is in conjunction with just where they are in life with Mamma Mia 2. Uh, well, they've got like a, uh, like a hologram tour of some sort coming out, and apparently they wanted to record it for that. Oh, just to like just to clarify that is not a bit i'm not making a thing up like that is an actual thing abba is doing more stuff now by hologram tour do you mean like gem in the holograms or like... by, by hologram tour i mean what we did with tupac a few years ago oh yeah what what you mean what we did to tupac we, yeah, yeah it was right. it was less of a width and more it wasn't of a so much width yeah exactly but yeah like it's that sort of a deal and it's that sounds like real creepy Polar Express level kind of thing, and I want no part of it, but I will definitely be checking out the tracks, just because as a white person, I like ABBA. <laughs> just thinking of ABBA and the Uncanny Valley and, oh, this is going to be interesting. Who knows? They, they could yep. be a surprise interval act or something, uh, dem- demoing the hologram stuff. Oh. <laughs> this is going to get real creepy. No, yeah, like, right, right? like, I, like on, on one hand, that would be a great interval act. On the other hand, I really don't want to see yeah. that. <laughs> They're duetting with their... Oh, man. That like, could be exactly like, what they do. They like have a duet with their like 1974 Waterloo my, performance. My, my brain is refusing to process hologram is anything other than like the Chuck E. Cheese band oh. right now, which is just not a great mental mashup. Yeah, those are puppets. Yes, I, I am aware, Ryan. I am aware. And yet, this is how my brain processes yeah. that. Uh, also, we got a question on Twitter. Yes, and it's really apt for this week's episode. Yes, uh, Senora Cody writes to us asking, 
Do you ever feel like the big five are at a disadvantage because they don't get seen or discussed for the semifinals and they're only heard once instead of twice? I felt this way for Italy last year. So I guess to start that discussion, we should probably explain what the big five are. Yeah, what, what is yes. the Big Five? So the Big Five, they consist of Spain, United Kingdom, France, Germany, and Italy. And historically, those five countries have ponied up quite a bit of cash to keep the Eurovision Song Contest uh, up and running. So in exchange for uh, all of their financial help, uh, starting in, I think it was around the year 2000, they were granted Big Five status, which means that whenever the contest is using any sort of semifinal or relegation format, and any sort of format where not all participants will get to go on to the grand final, uh, those five countries get an automatic buy into the final. So they don't have to worry about semifinals, qualifying, any of that. They, they just get an automatic go. At the time, like in 2000, only four of those countries actually took advantage of it. Italy was still on its uh, extended hiatus. Um, I, it may have even been a ploy to try to get Italy back into the contest because they had only, only been gone for a couple of years at that point. Uh, Italy well, didn't... I, oh, go ahead. Well, I was about to say, and I think the big five at that point, like four of them were taking advantage of the big five also included the the host nation where it just seemed like as a gesture of goodwill for winning you automatically get to be in the contest next year right yeah and also for taking on the financial burden of hosting the darn thing so it is literally the least they can do right so italy returned to the contest in 2011 uh and they uh in 2011 had uh, big five, they still had their big five status. So since then, they've had the five automatic qualifiers. The host country, if it wasn't one of the big five, in 2011, Germany was hosting that year. So it was still just five auto qualifiers. And then 20 countries that would be qualifying from the semifinals to participate in the grand finals. So you could have 25 countries if it's a big five country that's hosting, 26 if it like this year where there's a big five plus Portugal plus the 20 qualifiers. Um, Mm -hmm. And then uh, other kind of random years like uh, 2015 when Australia was a guest and they're just like, hey, Australia, you get a free pass. Uh, Yeah, you should get to go through because you're new here. Yeah. So that that was a year that they had 27. And that's a lot of countries. So yes, I think they're going to try to keep it capped at that. But anyway, uh, back back to the question at hand. Yeah. What what do you all think? Uh, Since they don't have to qualify through the final uh, through the semifinals, rather, we only see their televised performances on the Saturday show. So do you think that that has any sort of advantage or disadvantage? I think it's at least a little bit of a disadvantage just because if you are watching all the shows, but you know, if you're coming into the show and you're not doing the, the extensive pre-watching that we do, uh, if you're just coming in for the week of the contest, you're seeing many of these songs, you know, on the Tuesday and Thursday of the week. So you're already sort of familiar with them. You have favorites, you have thing, you know, you have sort of, where you want to align your votes, and all of a sudden you've got these five other, five or six other entries that are just sort of coming in there, and you've only seen the, well, you've only seen the ones, so if they're very impressive, that's something that could probably blow something that was maybe lower on your list out of the water, but if they're not that impressive, which in some years it's very clear that the the big five are not in the mood to win, it probably just seems like another extra sort of entry to just sort of sit through while you wait for voting to open. I think the big five are are at a disadvantage, but I think it's a self-imposed disadvantage. I think some of the entries that they send are just not good, and audiences are not responding because they're not good, not because they've only seen them the one time, right? I mean, I think with Italy's, that the the person who asked the question referenced Italy last year, I think the that was a case in which the music video was doing a lot of work for that song, 
And I think the live stage performance did not, well, I didn't like it very much. I, lo- I love the song. I still love the song, but I, I didn't, I, I didn't like the staging. I think Spain a couple of years ago loved that song. The staging was really good, but Adern had some vocal issues. So I, I, I think that the, I think, yes, they are at a little bit of a disadvantage, but I think it's in part because of the processes that they use. Um, and that's changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that they've tried to do, they've tried to kind of balance out the fact that you're not seeing them until Saturday, either by showing sort of some like extended dress rehearsal footage or just yeah. finding other ways to showcase that entry like during the interval, during the semis. Yeah, I'm kind of of two minds about this. Yeah, I mean, it should be noted that I think Germany is the only one of the big five to have won the contest since 2000. So yeah, I mean, there could be an argument in both ways saying like, oh, well, like they've been at a disadvantage because they've only won once in close to 20 years. But at the same time, like you've all been saying, Sometimes their entries just aren't that good. I think there are some entries that probably would not have advanced had they actually competed. I think of Spain's last year, which uh, was pretty dreadful. <laughs> or uh, to, uh, in 2015, Germany and Austria tied for last place at zero points, and they were both auto qualifiers. That was the year that Austria that was, was hosting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was real embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, and with Italy last year, I think that was a case of the song burned very brightly for a while, but like Italy selects pretty early in the selection season, so it had time to just kind of fizzle out. But being in the room when that was finally performed on stage, like it was so electric in there i think it was just like the anticipation just like yes we finally get to see italy and and i think that that sort of electricity does transmit through the broadcast so i I like the idea that the grand final is still going to have some sort of fresh content true in the actual broadcast because it's like okay there's going to be at least five probably six entries that we haven't seen yet and how is it gonna like interact with the ecosystem that's already kind of developing and it's like oh does this song pair with that song and it's it's pretty cool in that regard and also i mean the big five in terms of like rehearsal footage and such like they they get the same sort of rehearsal setup uh, as the semifinalists like they'll get their first rehearsal and their 30 second clip on youtube and then they'll have a second rehearsal with a longer clip that's posted to youtube so the pre-performance stuff is still available for the super fan nerds among us, uh, <laughs> of which I think all three of us uh, qualify. But I don't know if there would be an like I I think Italy probably I mean Italy kind of underwhelmed in terms of their standing. Like they they were expected to win last year and they finished in sixth. I think if they had performed in one of the semifinals, I think they may have ended up ranking even lower just because that electricity from the like very anticipated performance just it would have been lost in whichever semifinal they competed in and then it'd be like oh okay i get to see this performance again oh yeah i'm not sure how i feel about the second time around so yeah i I think their advantage is in their ability to build up the anticipation but the disadvantage is they don't necessarily go through the vetting process that the other songs have to go through because the other songs have like some skin in the game. Not that much really typically changes from semifinals to final. I mean, maybe, you know, countries will bring out a little extra something that, or maybe a slightly different costume or in, you know, the Netherlands case last time, eight different mm-hmm. costumes, um, or from a couple of years ago. I, 
I, I honestly don't think it has that big of an impact. I also think, well, I don't know about viewership for the semifinals versus the grand final. I think there are a lot of people who see these entries only one time. That's fair. Yeah, so, that's also very yeah. fair. So so I, I don't think that that is as much of it. I think that maybe is a slight disadvantage, but I think there's a lot of other factors that are contributing to the Big Five's lack of success. And I think not competing in the semifinals is somewhere down the list of, in terms of importance. With that in mind, since we've, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've been sort of looking at the various semifinals. And the big question there is always, are they going to make it to the finals? We don't have that question this week. Yay! So, yeah, which, yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, I am pretty sure that all six of these entries are going to make it to the finals. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I don't know if appreciates the word, but yeah. we are sure that all yes. six yes. of are, them are We are, are very going confident that all six of these are going to make the final <laughs> because that's how these things work. I think it makes more sense to sort of pivot our conversation than to how do we think they're going to stack up? So the first one we're going to talk about is from the host country, Portugal. Claudia Pascal uh, will be singing Ujadim. And yeah, when we talked about this one before, like we were talking about like the Coldplay vibe and sort of the sparseness of it, which has been an interesting topic of conversation this year, because there are quite a few entries that have kind of sparseness as their defining characteristic. And for me, I think it works really well with this song. Like this is one that has really grown on me uh, over the last few weeks. I think it's it, it just kind of creates this aura and like oral presence that is really comforting and soothing and not at all jarring, but like the sparseness of it doesn't feel like there's something missing the way that it does with like Slovenia's entry and a little bit with Lithuania's entry where it's just like oh i just want something more in there it's like no there's just like this really pleasant voice and it just kind of has this sort of outside in the garden vibe and yeah i'm 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 really digging it what do you two think i'm responding to kind of the same vibe you are mike where i i'm very much appreciating what it is but i mean i feel like the thing that i have said episode after episode about the host nation is that your goal as the host nation is you want to prove that you should have won last year but that you also do not want to win this year because this is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I think that this one, again, does like a really good job with that in that it, it captures kind of some of the same vibe as last year, which you don't necessarily need to do that, but it, it very much feels, it, it feels very much like a relative of last year's entry. Uh, I like, I like you. I like the sparseness. Like I can definitely see, I definitely see it like placing in the top half of the competition overall. Like it just has, it has like a really nice, like sensuality to it. Yes. I, don't see it like scooping up like a ton of like tens or twelves. Like I see it, I see it like maybe getting like a lot of some of those lower point values and sort of sneaking up the charts that way. Mm-hmm. But like it's like I like what it's doing. I'm very glad it's here, but it's not my favorite in the competition. Yeah, I think this song is going to be one that I'm going to have a hard time really focusing on. I, I think from a contest sort of lineup perspective, this is a great song in part because it provides a little bit of like 
or uh, aural downtime, right? So that you're not just being like blasted with noise for 26 songs in a row. I think also it's a legitimately really good song. The I've, I found out a little bit more information about it. I was doing some research and we talked about in the national final performance, there's, you know, Claudia Pascal and then there's another woman sort of in this like what looks like a straight jacket kind of thing sitting on a stool. Turns out she's mm. a songwriter and the song is about her um, dead grandmother and it's her, her sort of mourning her, her, her dead grandmother and saying, you know, now that you're gone, I'll take care of your garden. So it's sort of remembering her grandmother by caring for something that her grandmother cared for. And that's really sweet. And it's a great song. I, I just think it's going to be really hard for me to downshift so quickly from some other, you know, and this is in what, slot eight in the in the grand final? Yes, yeah. This is the, yeah, this is the one known factor in the, the final in terms of positioning is that everything else sort of hangs around this one. Yeah. And, and so I think that's good because it's close enough to the beginning, but by the time we hear the song, we're not going to be totally worn out from 26 other songs. So I think that's actually really good for the song. I think even so, it'll be kind of hard to downshift from whatever comes before to this song for me. So I, I think that is that is a challenge that a song like this has in a contest like this. Yeah, going back to uh, the point that you were bringing up, Ben, about uh, how this should be an entry that demonstrates that yes, this country should have won last year, but yeah, we don't we don't need to win again. We're 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 good. This kind of reminds me of what Germany did. Yeah, they had the uh, same singer from uh, the year before, Lena, as their returning act in 2011, and she was doing kind of like a different vibe of a song. Like it wasn't very poppy. It was like really kind of more ethereal, but Mm -hmm. kind of experimental. And I think that that's another aspect of being the host country is just like, okay, we're going to send something that you wouldn't necessarily see at Eurovision. Like Ukraine kind of did that last year with like a more like hard rock entry that Mm -hmm. might not have been as successful in the semifinals or... Well, but, yeah, it's 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 sort of like when a designer on Project Runway gets immunity for that week's challenge and right. decides, you know what, this week the model isn't going to wear pants. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is a really good example of this. Like this, this kind of this really does seem like a relative of last year's entry, but like kind of like the cool aunt that you just kind of want to hang out with at the family reunion. She's like, oh yeah, I bet she's got some really cool stories, and like, or at least I want to ask her about like that dress that she's wearing because it's so different. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's definitely the vibe that I'm getting from this song. And if it's an indication of like what Portugal will be sending the next few years, like if it's kind of more meditations on this theme, I can I can get behind that. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's an, an, an interesting point of view that is kind of missing from the contest at the moment. So the next auto qualifier is Spain. They are sending Alfred and Amaya with two cancion. Just as a brief recap, the Spanish selection process, they had um, a group of individual singers who were both singing their own songs, and then they sort of paired them up into duets. And so Alfred and Amaya was one of those sort of duet couples. This, the song is about falling in love, and it's it's really, really sweet. And I, it, I, I will be really interested to see how this one does, because I think either 
if the two if the two have been able to develop some chemistry, like one of the thing one of the criticisms I had about the song early and that I still kind of have is that I didn't really feel chemistry between the two of them. And that's kind of important for a duet. Their voices are really good. I think each individually they're charismatic. I just think as a couple, it, that's hard. It's really, really hard. And they're very, very young. And I think previous really young singers we've seen on the Eurovision stage have been sort of engulfed by that expectation and by the the size and the scale of the thing. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned for them on on a lot of different angles. I I don't have concern about their ability to sing the song really well. I have uh maybe concerns about their sort of overall performance in this. So this is one that I think could easily sort of fall towards the bottom of the final if it just doesn't stick out enough from what else is going on. And there are a number of sort of sweet love type songs happening in this year's contest thanks in part to Portugal's win last year, right? Every time that a song wins, other people are like, oh, that's a, a thing that wins, so let's try to do that same kind of thing. And so Spain feels like that a little bit for me. What do you think, Mike? I think we are like greatly underestimating Spain. Like, Let me let me just say, like, I, I don't like this song. It's so schmoopy. But um, <laughs> yeah, just kind of going back to like the perceived lack of chemistry. So the selection process that they used was part of a uh, show called uh, Operation Triunfo. It's kind of a combination of American Idol and Big Brother, where like they're all in this singing competition, but they're also living in the same house. And like Alfred and Amaya, they're actually a couple. Like they met on the show and they fell in love. And there's just like it's like super schmoopy, like this song. Like their celebrity couple name is Almaya. Like try following that on Twitter and Instagram. It's just super gross if you're like jaundiced like I am. <laughs> I just this type of song just isn't for me but i was like looking at youtube data one day and noticed that they are number two in youtube views for the contest like they have i think last i checked like over five million views and that's just from the eurovision version of this video so had 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 toy not come around like this would be this would probably be number one in YouTube views for this Eurovision season. So there's definitely momentum behind the song. And I think it's probably going to do quite well. It's kind of filling, it's filling a spot that is noticeably missing from this competition. Like every year there's usually like a love song duet type thing. And it kind of went into overdrive in 2015 where like every other entry was a duet of some sort. But this is kind of filling the spot that Azerbaijan's 2011 winner, Running Scared, is feeling where it's just kind of like, it's sort of a prom anthem. And I could see it doing really well in that regard. I don't know. Like, I don't like the song, but I think it's going to do very, very well because it is filling a gap that is just like not present elsewhere in the in this year's field. Ben? I am so glad that like you kind of led with that, Mike, because I completely agree in, in a lot of things in that in that this song is not really my thing. Uh, but like it is and like what it is doing feels very formulaic, but it's doing a real good job with that formula. And mm-hmm. like I had written down in my notes beforehand that this of of these six, this one kind of feels like one of the dark horses. And just that you that YouTube data right there kinda is I'm I'm watching this one where I'm like, okay, so I don't like this one. It's super formulaic, and but like it's it's gonna do gangbusters. It's gonna do gangbusters. I I'm not sure it's gonna go like all the way, but I can definitely. It's definitely. I can definitely see a top ten. Do I need to point out how many YouTube views San Marino had last year and where they placed dead last? 
I mean, but on uh, 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 in yes, but like that's you, YouTube views are really bad in in and of themselves. The thing is with with Spain, I don't think that there is as much attention paid. Like kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, since they don't have to compete, there's not as much attention paid. Like with like the semifinal aspect of it. So yeah, it's really easy for this to kind of just fly under like, the radar. Come, yeah, it's like come out of left field and just capture everybody's heart yeah and i think what's what may allow this to sink or swim is going to be which half it draws if this song ends up in the first half i can see it getting kind of swallowed up by the rest of the field but Uh, if it ends up in the second half and it ends up getting placed kind of late in the running order and it doesn't even have to be that late in the running order like if it's like anywhere from i'd say 16 onward I, th- I think it's going to end up sticking with folks, and I, I think top 10, I, th- I think it's safe to say top 10 regardless, but yeah, like if it, if it can get that late in the lineup, I think top five would not be out of the question. Don't throw things at me. Uh- <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of it, and I, I will want to see what the rehearsal performance looks like, because I think part of it will be their chemistry. Yes. It will be the chemistry, will be the staging, but I completely agree that this is in the second half of the final. Like, that's going to bolster its chances. We can hold our hearts We talked about this one as a dark horse, and we all, like, this seems like a two-thirds sort of agreement that this might be a dark horse and that we should watch this one. One that I'm pretty sure I'm the only person of the three of us carrying the torch of this, of potentially being a dark horse here, is the UK. And, like, for like for me, this one has grown on me. Like, it feels, like, when we did, like, a little mini-episode sort of going over all of these, and, like, the UK's entries were kind of so-so overall, but this one has grown on me, and, like... They did the same thing last year, I think, where they tweaked the production in, like, some small way where they figured out, like, how to sort of give the song an extra jolt of energy. Suri has been doing a bunch of the parties, and she seems to have a presence. And the thing that's gotten me, and the thing I've been watching just with this song in particular for the UK, is I've been paying attention to the crowds in the videos. And, like, this song's chorus is an earworm. Like, people are able to pick it up and sing with it and get with its vibe, like, right away. The, the winning performance after they had been announced as the winner in the UK final in the live parties, like people are automatic are like jumping on board, singing the chorus of the course of this song, which makes me think like it has a really, really hooky, memorable chorus. It's something that's going to stick in your brain. I don't know. Please tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> Ryan, you go first. Uh, I actually don't have a lot to say about you being wrong on this. I, I'm not a big fan of the song still, but I don't hate it. And I love Surrey. Like, I, I actually was like, okay, I was trying to figure out why I was kind of apathetic toward the song. And I was like, is it her? So I went to go find some other stuff that she sings that I love her. Like, some of the, I think there's, she's got some live performances of other songs that I was just riveted by. I love her. I love her voice. She's got like a little bit of an Annie Lennox thing going on. 
I really loved last year's entry from the UK, and I agree that they... I did not like the initial remix that they came out with. I liked the sort of more musical theater version, the first version. I didn't really like the music of the second version, but when they put it on stage, I was like, oh, I get it. This is great. So I have hopes that they that the staging of this year's entry will do the same for me. I, I, I sort of feel myself in the same area of that, like, well, I could kind of go either way on this. But if they're working with the same staging people, I think I could really be behind the song. Well, and like one thing I liked is that like the mute like took like the song felt like when it was still kind of very piano driven, it could have gone kind of off kilter. But like the the music video for the song feels like a Target ad, but in a good way. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Old Navy, but go on. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> same yeah. thing. S- same difference. But like it, like it just feels like that in a good way. And sort of gave the song more of a contemporary kind of youthful feel than it necessarily could have because it could have gone like it could have down, gone down like uh, an Annie Lennox adult contemporary pathway which is not a bad pathway but is not necessarily a Eurovision pathway I don't know Mike over the weekend uh, I had a very brief t- Twitter exchange where the other person said uh, is predicting that this has accidental last place written all over it it's not the worst song of the year but is there anything that will make 42 other countries pick up the phone and I responded that I bet it'll get jury points from frontrunner countries, sort of like how Bulgaria gave Austria 12 points last year for purely strategic reasons. And then he responded, so our only salvation is tactical pity votes. Great. Side eye emoji. (laughs) And I almost responded, I didn't say pity. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it's just, I I agree that it is very earwormy, but yeah, I, I don't see like there's just nothing about it that would really motivate me to be like oh yes i think this is the best song in this field and like i really want to like throw my support toward it it's like it's fine it's if it were to play in a dentist office waiting room or something i wouldn't object to it but i don't think it's going to finish in last place mainly because i can see particularly the juries just kind of throwing points its way just to like kind of throw off uh anybody like those points going towards somebody who could actually affect their standing in the contest, which sounds really harsh. And I guess it is, but like, I I don't think it's a last place song, but I don't think it's going to be like racing up the charts either. I think honestly, the biggest problem for this song is Australia because this song and Australia are basically thematically speaking, they're the same song. Hmm. So I I think that will be the challenge is how it like, do they get stuck in the same half of the final? Which one's in the first half? Which one's in the second half? That I think is going to be a big challenge for the UK. Okay, yeah, I, I can see them being thematically similar. But I, I don't know, like, on the other hand, in execution, they feel different enough that they don't seem to encroach on the same territory for me, if that makes sense. I'm I'm trying to play both songs in my head simultaneously. And <laughs> yeah, that I do not recommend that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I maybe there's just like a lack of charisma with the song, but that that doesn't seem right either because I th- I think Suri is a very charismatic performer. Suri kind of picks up and gives it the charisma that maybe just like the song on its own doesn't fully have. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's where the disconnect is because I, th- I yeah I, th- I think Australia's song like as a song has the charisma that would inspire people to vote, whereas like Suri's doing a lot of the heavy lifting in in this case. Yeah, I agree with that.
next on our whirlwind through the big five is France with uh, Madame Monsieur's Merci. Must we? Uh, we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the extent of my high school French. Sorry. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> so this one has been holding on strong with like bookmakers and fan groups, and which is really surprising considering it was one of the first songs selected this year, and it's. It seems to be still be building up momentum. Like there was a news story that came out it was either last week or the week before, where the child who was the subject of the song was a they they found her, the child in a refugee camp, and yeah, so that that story was making its way around the blogs and such. And I I don't know if I just don't have an opinion about this song, or maybe it's just kind of played out given like how long it's been there, but it's fine. It's certainly better than the English version of this song, which I heard like a week or two ago. And like much like with Hungary, it's like do not seek out the English version because it is just a very basic translation. But it sounds good. It's just the story behind it just seems kind of opportunistic or cloying or like like it, it's not their story to tell. And I think that's where my hangup is with this song. I think it's gonna do. I think it's going to do very well in the competition. Just like all, all, all indicators point to yes, this is going to do very well. And it's kind of a wave that France has been riding the last few years. Ben, what what, what do you think? I still don't like this song. I think that they. I think that they have improved with the production, but I still do not like this song. I fully agree that this is not their story to tell. Please stop telling it. Please no. But, yeah, like that is my main hang up with this one and I can see it doing well and like I see the YouTube views and I see the various fan groups posting about it and my only question to all of them when I see this is just why? What are we, what are you guys seeing that I'm missing? So that's where my head's at on this one is that I'm trying to say nice things but I keep going back to the question of why. I still think that there was a better song in the French selection process. Mm. <laughs> okay, Okao really should have won. But anyway, putting that aside or trying to for the moment my sort of hatred and anger towards the song has blossomed into apathy towards the song so i'm sort of at the same place with with you all that i'm just i, I was actually having a really hard time this week and listening to a lot of these songs that i just sort of feel like uh, it's fine it's yep. fine i don't have that much to say so i asked i texted my my friend andy who was french um and i said can you please explain your people to me um no <laughs> i said do you have actually what i said was do you have any thoughts that you would like for me to share um about the song um she had a very strong reaction when she heard it for the first time that i won't share but she said uh it's a very sweet message but as for the song itself boh, that's french for meh and she says you know it's an earworm and she likes that it's not in english and i have to agree with all with mm-hmm. all of those things yeah like I, I i will give it that it's not in english and it's it's nice to hear non-english languages at the eurovision song contest although with with france yeah. like that that's almost always a given I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> france, france not exactly breaking the mold here yeah uh, it, it, it well, is shocking when they sing in english to, but anyway sorry. yeah well the, the, the last what the last two years they've had their chorus in english the last so, years uh, the french have deigned to put it to put a chorus usually not not all yeah. the choruses a chorus in english yeah, like the last yeah, but they also tried yeah. to cram 12 minutes of song into a three-minute bag so <laughs> Fair. So uh, I'll be interested to see if they do that the same the same thing this year. Whether there's any piece of it in English, um, I hope not, because I, uh, you know, as we established with Hungary and with this year's French entry, and yeah, translating things in English and not doing it well is not a recipe for success. But yeah, I just I just don't have a lot of feelings about the song one way or another. I just sort of can't be bothered. Yeah, I, I think I'm just gonna try and let my current feelings crystallize into into. Okay, sure. Now, with the building of the momentum, last 
I checked, like it was kind of champing at Israel's heels. Do you think it could overtake Israel? I, I don't think so. I, I truly do not understand what is happening with this coming in number two in so many places. I, I truly don't understand, but I don't think it'll overtake Israel. I think there are other things that might overtake Israel. I just don't think France is one of them. Yeah, I think at this point we like Israel has so many pointers that it's doing really well and we're trying to figure out okay we're tr- everybody's trying to figure out plan b and we are just like throwing all of the spaghetti at the wall and going sure if it, well if this is true maybe france is also going to be number two or you know just sort of just sort of panicking and here's some other data and this is maybe this song maybe this song see, see also yeah. just me like every week being like okay but like macedonia's doing a great job guys right yes right <laughs> <laughs> This is just the bookmaker version of that, where it's like, okay, sure, yeah, yeah, okay, Francis, yeah, Francis, number two, okay, sure. I mean, there, maybe there's just something that we're not picking up here in the U.S., and this is like the disadvantage that we have for not like having our ears on the ground in Europe. We will crack the code eventually. I was born from one love of two hearts. We were three kids and a loving mom. You made this place a home. A shelter from the storm You said I had a one life and a true heart I tried my best and I came so far But you will never know Cause you let me walk this road alone So next to last, number number five of the six we're talking about today is Germany. They are sending Mikhail Schulte with You Let Me Walk Alone. I can't remember what I thought about the song way back in the beginning. I do remember thinking that it sounds a lot like the Plain White Tees, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of sound and in terms of lyrics. You know, the Plain White Tees have that song, that One Thing, Two Do, Three Words For You. This song has a lyric that's One Love of Two Hearts, We Were Three Kids and a Loving Mom. The song is interesting. So it's it's driven almost entirely by the lead vocal and some piano. The last verse adds in some strings and then it builds in a little more for the last chorus with some more percussion. So it builds nicely. It's a well-sung song. It's a well-written song. I mean, there's a lot about the song that's good. The lyrics are not too matchy-matchy, which is a thing I've actually grown to appreciate. I think when rhymes are a little bit too close, it gets just it just sounds like kids poetry, um, like bad kids poetry. There's good kids poetry as well. But um, like, for example, he rhymes home with storm, which is, you know, a near rhyme. It's not quite, but it's close mm. enough. So I think there's a lot from an artistic perspective about this song that's really legitimately good. I just can't really get invested in it. It's, you know, it's it's about sort of similar to Portugal's song thematically. It's, you know, someone has died and he's kind of mourning slash grieving slash bitter about that. I think that's something a lot of us can relate to. I just can't get very emotionally invested in the song, and I don't really know why. What do you think, Ben? I was listening to the song a bunch over the weekend, trying to tend to prep for this, trying to figure out, okay, what does this sound like to me? How do I think this is going to do? And, like, this sounds like it should be playing over, like, a montage when an American Idol con- contestant is going home, in mm-hmm. that it's it's got, like, that nice kind of driven piano thing, which I, I, li- I really like the instrumentation on this one, but just, like, the melody just somehow does nothing for me. It's pleasant, but I think that there are better pleasant entries in the contest. And it, like it's it just feels like it's glad to be there. Like it's happy to be here. Germany's good. Thank you. It's nice. And there are parts that I like. And it, it, again, it builds nicely. There's some really nice instrumentation that builds from just solo piano to like a full kind of full band kind of vibe. 
I hear it, and I'm just like, okay, cool, Next, on to the next thing, and it really leaves no mark on me. What do you think, Mike? This is one that just, like, it just keeps falling out of my head. Like, I keep on thinking that the title is You Made Me Walk Alone, which really changes the tone if you think that that's what, what it, it really is. And, um, yeah, when I realized when I was sick, I was like, oh, I, I think I have some stuff that I need to explore. Anyway. Um, yeah, right. There but, yeah, this one is just not sticky at all. And yeah, kind of going back to what you were saying, Ryan, like, it does feel like it should be a good Eurovision entry. I just think that this might be the wrong year for it. Like it, it, it doesn't seem to be meshing with the rest of the field. And sometimes that's good. Like sometimes you want something that's just going to stand out and just be like its own thing. But it feels like it's kind of more of a wallflower than like center of attention. If it were last year, I think this song would have made a much bigger impression. And yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just not connecting with it. And I don't think there's anything like wrong with the song. Like it, it, it's I mean, maybe it is a lack of stickiness. And I don't know if that's something that is kind of context dependent or like maybe that's just a fundamental problem with the song. But it's not doing anything for me and it's 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 kind of a shame because it's just like oh I, I wish there was something that i could point to and be like oh stop doing that but yeah it's just like oh like thank you for sharing your story like i i, I don't know what to do with it so yeah it, it feels for me like it's sort of halfway in between portugal and ireland yes that like if you sort of like uh, the sort of morning piece of it that you're gonna go with portugal song and if you like the sort of like regret slash you know, relationship piece of it, you're going to go with Ireland song. Like there, there just isn't, there are other options in this genre in this contest. Well, assuming that Ireland gets yeah, through, which is, you no. know, um, we'll discuss. But, <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, that's a later conversation, but um, I, I, yeah, I just feel like there are for whatever this provides, there are better options probably that you would be drawn to and not this one. Braccia senza mani, faccia senza nomi, scambiamoci la pelle in fondo siamo umani, perché la nostra vita non è un punto di vista e non esiste bomba pacifista. Non mi avete fatto niente, non mi avete tolto niente, questa è la mia vita che va avanti, oltretutto oltre la gente. Non mi avete fatto niente, non avete avuto niente, perché tutto va oltre. Kind of closing out this sextet of auto qualifiers this week, uh, we have Ermal Meta e Fabrizio Moro uh, with Nami Avete Fato Niente. I thought that they did a very, very effective job of taking a song that was much longer than the three minutes allotted and figuring out the cut down version of it. And it feels like they've somehow made it more musical. Either that or I've just listened to the song enough times that I finally have found the melody. This one has grown on me, but not as much as some of the other tracks that we've discussed tonight. So, like, I, I like this one. It it feels a little bit less of, like, two people just, like, scolding me for three minutes, which is great. That's that's not something I look for in a Eurovision track. It's still lacking something for me that I, like, Italy's songs usually has such a wonderful sense of melody and this one just feels like one note repeated for three minutes like it's it, they're getting better at it but like it's still just one note for for three minutes i don't know what what do, you, what do y'all think i feel pretty much the same way about it just being very monotone and i'll be curious to see what the rehearsal footage 
is like because if it's just going to be them standing behind microphones kind of doing the same staging that they had at san remo yeah like that like that's like really the only perform like every time i've seen performance footage it's like that same thing which can be can be effective like given the song but this is not i think that this song needs something else to give it some oomph i appreciate that the message is like anti-war and and all of that but i think i just expect a little bit more nuance or something from italy i feel like i hold italy to a higher standard and this just this misses the bar for me for me the big problem with the song is the the theme Uh, it's sort of like i expressed about australia in a previous episode this one it's it's about sort of staying strong in the face of terrorism right like the the title translates to you haven't done anything to me Mm -hmm. right like it's 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 like the musical equivalent of sticks and stones may break my bones except it's like you can throw bombs at me, but you haven't really done anything. Like, this is still my life, and I'm still going to live it. And on the one hand, like, yeah, okay. On the other hand, like, okay, but let's not minimize what's actually happening to people and pretend like people can just get right back up from, you know, devastating war and terrorism. Like, that's not really how that works. So for me, thematically, I have a little bit of a, of a trouble getting in. I agree, though, Ben, that I have this song has grown on me more as a song. If I sort of forget what I'm listening to and don't pay attention to the lyrics, I'm connecting with it much better than I was at the very beginning. And when it first came out, I couldn't even listen to it. It was like, oh, this is crap. I can listen to it now, and there are pieces of it that I actually appreciate. I, I, I am able to hear the melody in it a little more. But yeah, it just it doesn't do quite enough as a song, you know, musically speaking. it's It, it seems like it's too much about the thematic, the sort of, you know, anti-terrorism statement and not enough about the it as a piece of art and as a piece of music. So it, it just, it doesn't work for me. It's one of those that with a really good stage performance, it could probably do fine. I don't think it'll be top 10. I think it'll be maybe middle 10, you know, or middle eight. Or yeah. Whatever. Like this feels very um, kind of middle of the pack. If yeah. and like lower middle of the pack, which is really shocking coming from Italy, just because their process is so thorough. Like since they've returned, their only kind of misstep uh, in terms of like a low ranking was the year that they just decided to do internal selection and not have the San Remo winner be their choice. I'm really curious to see how this one kind of shakes out. Maybe it's kind of like France. Maybe there's just like this optimism that is happening in Europe uh, that we're just not responding to here in America. Gee, I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> this could just be another case of like, oh, there's just something going on in in the day-to-day in Europe that like we're just not cognizant of, and that's why it's not connecting with us. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, let's let's briefly review the, th- the themes of these six songs. We have Portugal about death. We have Spain about love. We have the UK about making it their hard times. We have France about refugees and war. We have Germany about death and bitterness. We have Italy about terrorism, right? Like, this is not an uplifting yeah, bunch like, of Yeah, like, it's songs. a rough year, y'all. Have you been outside? It it's rough. <laughs> Well, and I think it, I think there are other much more uplifting songs in other ways, right? This, this particular the UK pack. is the most uplifting, where it's just like, okay, so this is just like a temporary thing, and like a couple, like in a few years from now, we'll look back and we'll laugh. Wow, this got bleak. Oh, it did, no. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I actually was thinking about this. I was like, which of these songs do I like the best? And I think it is the UK. Yes. I still really like Portugal, but um, sure. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's just like being like miserable, but you're outside <laughs> and there's flowers. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's a fresh air. Yeah. You're miserable, but you're outside. So it can't be that bad. Really looking forward to my trip, y'all. <laughs> yeah, right. 
So do we have anything else that we want to say about the big six before we sign off for this week? I think that does it. We're going to be dropping our next episode a little bit early because Tuesday is the first semifinal, y'all. Semifinal one is Tuesday, so we need to get our final thoughts about the semi about what we think is going to happen in the, in the semis in Before the Wire. Our No Take Backsies episode. Be on the lookout for that on Monday. If you want to make sure you don't miss it, be sure to subscribe uh, to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast uh, feed of your choice. Uh, speaking of the feed, if you uh, have been a subscriber, you may have noticed that uh, only the last 10 episodes have been available. Uh, we fixed that on our end, so the full feed should be available if you want to hear all of our thoughts of this Eurovision season before eliminations start happening. And and if you are a subscriber and you have a couple of minutes, feel free to leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it helps other people find us and rating and reviewing is is the way to go with podcasts. I'm yes. sure you've heard it on every single one that you've listened to and sorry that we have to say it. Please give us your feedback. Please email us your questions. So next week's episode is going to drop early on Monday where we will make predictions and then later in the week we will be wrong about those predictions. Mm-hmm. And how. <laughs> I can't wait. That's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. The Euro What podcast is a production of WhatElseIsOn.tv. Our Eurovision News and Entertainment Research Division specialists are Ryan Brazell, Mike McComb, and Ben Smith. Follow our coverage of the 2018 Eurovision Song Contest at our website, EuroWhat.com. You can also catch us on social media at EuroWhat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to contact us by email, we can be reached at esc at whatelseison.tv. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. While you add the subscription, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. We'll be back with more Eurovision updates next week.